1: Welcome to the Off the Glass Podcast, bringing a fresh, intelligent, thought-provoking perspective to the game of basketball. This is your host, Z, coming to you live here in the shot on a Monday afternoon, just ahead of the Western Conference Finals that tip off tonight between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Yesterday, the Eastern Conference Finals got underway between the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we're not without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. Um, yesterday's game... Boston dominated Cleveland. Cleveland looked overmatched from the get-go. Uh, the final score of that game was 108-83. Boston was the final. You had 36-18 to from the first quarter for Boston. They jumped out on Cleveland, and that was pretty much the story of the game. Then they outscored them 25-17 to in the second quarter. It was balanced scoring, balanced play. And the thing that stood out right away is um, – I'm sitting there thinking watching this game and I'm wondering to myself has the Boston Celtics pulled off the greatest rebuild that we've ever seen especially in basketball if you think about what Danny Ainge and and company and I don't want to always want to give the general manager all the credit even though he does is the last person to sign off on deals but They scout team has to be incredible. They player developing over there with Brad Stevens, the coach obviously at the head. The fact that they have steady ownership, a steady system general manager, uh, what they're able, what they have been able to accomplish has been nothing but short of amazing. The fact that they have Gordon Haywood and Kyrie Irving out and they're right here in the Eastern conference finals and clearly look like they have the better team. And, Obviously, if it wasn't for the greatness of LeBron James, nobody would be picking Cleveland. I'm not saying, like, this team would even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm just saying to make a point that Boston is clearly the better team. Um, their versatility uh, on the court, the fact that they're able to switch everything on the perimeter. Even when you saw Rozier switched off on LeBron, they were just doing different things. Like, he'll front the post. And the double team will show a little bit, but it wouldn't come right away until he catches it. And then I remember he rotated through the pass to Kevin Love in the third quarter. He shot fake because Jalen Brown was closing down. they got a shot clock violation. Um, if Cleveland has any shot at winning this series, they're going to have to start Tristan Thompson and go back to Tristan Thompson at center. Love it for um, LeBron, uh, J.R. Smith, and uh, George Hill and put Kyle Corver. You're not going to beat Boston at small ball. They're only option is to get Baines and hopefully get them as deep as they can have to play Monroe to have a shot at even winning a series man because it looked like from the jump that Boston came out scorching hot and once they came out scorching hot you could tell LeBron kind of took his foot off the gas a little bit it was almost like he was in a boxing match and that was round one and two and he just kind of wanted to see what kind of punches the Celtics were going to throw excuse me and he finished with only 15 points and going forward, like I said, they're going to have to go big because with this lineup that they're putting out there now, they're just too weak on defense. And they're, with uh, Boston being so talented as they are offensively, there's nowhere to hide LeBron. I mean, Tatum is, wow, man, did they, did they hit hit on this draft pick. And the crazy thing is, you know, a lot of reports have said that, that Boston was going to take Tatum number one regardless, which means... The Lakers were going to take Lonzo at 2, and then Fultz would have went to Philly at 3. So the draft still would have shook out. But, again, you got to give Ames and his staff credit because they were able to at least convince Philly that Fultz was possibly a possibility to make the trade so they can get an additional asset as well as Tatum. And Tatum is just growing into a, a star right before our eyes in this playoffs. He's one of those rare combinations of talent. With work ethic and skill can get you you know like I said before in previous podcasts I follow his trainer on Instagram Drew Hanlon from pure sweat and he does a great job of just showing you his workouts infused with real live game footage and the guy I just said that when he came in he was just so offensively skilled and sometimes in college even though the game in college has uh, tends to mirror the NBA game a little bit more now they're not playing a completely different game but still. The NBA is just something totally different. And for him to go to a team like Boston is even more better. That's going to help um, grow his talent and take it to the next level. And him and Jalen Brown, I mean, they're almost becoming untradable. I was asking my wife yesterday, like, besides Giannis and Anthony Davis, I mean, you're not trading those guys for anybody else. And the only reason I use those two as an example is because those are all NBA players. They're, t- they're number one in their positions because they're all going to make Davis and Giannis is probably going to make All-NBA first team, and because of their age, but other than that, I don't see you trading them for anybody else. I know there's been a lot of talk, do you keep Rozier, do you let him walk? I still feel like Kyrie is way better than Rozier. I don't think it's even close. Even though Rozier is a better defender, but Kyrie did it at the biggest stage. He hit the biggest shot to give Cleveland their first title, Um, and then Haywood at his position when they come back is definitely going to be an upgrade, so you know, at this point for Boston, everything they do at this point is gravy. But they're not playing like it. You know, they're playing like they, they're focused. Um, you know, I was listening to David Thorpe on um, – I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm blocking now on the first 48 podcast, the guy's name. Oh, Howard Beck's podcast. And he was saying that the biggest difference between the pro game and everything else, including college, you know, college high school, AAU, is that the pro game – you know, you have a tendency to read the game more, you know, and the other levels you just kind of play the game. And I knew immediately what he was saying, because I know myself personally, as I progressed in my career, I noticed how I was able to see things on the court and unfold at a rapid rate. Um, as I got older and the longer I played, I was able to read the game in a different level than I did, obviously, when I was in college, almost to a certain degree, uh, kind of almost perfecting the game, at least as far as my thought process. And, how he used the example of the series with Philly and, and Boston, how Philly looked like they were out there just playing while uh, Boston looked like they was out there processing and thinking the game. And that falls into that same camp. They use Russ Brook as an example, how I say all the time, he has all this talent, but he's just out there playing. And sooner or later, that, that means something. You're going to have to stop and think the game, especially as you advance in higher levels and advance further and further in the playoffs. So... Um, I'm still leaning towards Cleveland and seven because I respect the greatness of LeBron James, but man, did, did Boston put the world on notice that this is not going to be a fluke. This is for real. Cleveland's going to have to make some adjustments. It's going to be interesting to see if Tyrone Lewis is going to go big in game two. Is he going to kind of roll this lineup again and say, Hey, you know, they kind of jumped out to a fast start. They hit some shots. We didn't, the game kind of got away from us, but Hey, we left a lot of points on the table. I think they, were, uh, they shot 20-some threes, was below um, around 20% from the three-point line, and they didn't shoot the three well. So they figured maybe we knock down some of them shots that will do better. But those shots weren't open shots. They were missing. They were contested threes, which always makes the difference in the world. And Celtics fans, do you finally start to appreciate Al Horford? Is he still overpaid now? Because you got to appreciate people like Horford, and I'm going to get to Green in the next series in a minute, but those two in particular in this era have made it acceptable to look at the player as a complete basketball player for their mind, their versatility, the fact that they both can handle the ball, they can pass the ball, they shoot the jump shot respectfully. Uh, Horford shoots the three a little bit better than Draymond. They can finish around the basket. They just make winning plays. And like I said, I'm going to get in Draymond in a second. But Horford being uh, the anchor on that defense, you know, which we saw with KG when he played with the Celtics, talking people through rotations and just his overall leadership. And for somebody like me who really enjoys basketball, especially when it's played on a high level, I can't do nothing but applaud what I see from Al Horford. And he's by far been one of the best players in this year's playoffs. You know, it's not its not even close. You know, probably him, LeBron, um, Harden, CP3, guys on that level. And it wouldn't surprise me again that Boston gets past Cleveland, and we're looking at Boston in the finals, especially at that per, uh, performance um, on last night's game. Um, going forward, the big questions keep rising as this team plays is, you know, are they going to re-sign Marcus Smart? Are they going to read? Because even though uh, Rozier doesn't really have to be signed to next season, he's eligible for an extension this year. Uh, Me personally, I'm picking smart. But then at the end of the day, the Celtics are really smart. They're not going to overpay anybody. And it's going to come down to see if Marcus Smart wants 14, 16 million dollars. The Celtics are not going to pay him that. So he might walk. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, I don't even think he gets that on an open market. Not because he doesn't possibly deserve it. I just it's not going to be a lot of money available. Teams just not going to have a lot of cap space this summer. So again, my my uh, impressions of Game One is that Boston is for real. Tatum is a star. Jalen Brown is a possible star with his versatility on defense. Horford is playing out of his mind. Um, they're getting great contributions. You see the coaching from Brad Stevens and Tyrone Lue now. The ball's in your court to step up and make an adjustments. I expect LeBron to have an incredible bounce-back game. Brad Stevens said the same thing in the press conference. You expect them to come out playing hard in game two, trying to give out that knockout punch and get a split before they head back to Cleveland. But, man, were the Celtics impressive on yesterday afternoon. Moving on to tonight's Western Conference Finals, and it's finally here the well-anticipated Western Conference Finals between the Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors. When I previewed the the playoffs with my father-in-law, I originally picked the Rockets in seven. And after this year, I'm not doing any more picks because I kind of don't really like picks because a lot can be, has to play out in a lot of factors and just because you get to pick right do not mean you're any um, any more smarter. If you got to pick wrong, doesn't mean you're even less smarter. But now, after seeing Curry play, I still feel like it's going to be Golden State in seven. Um, and the only reason I'm making it seven instead of six because CP3 is playing that well. And um, the fact that Harden can kind of lean on him a lot more, take some of the pressure off him. If Harden, if CP3 wasn't there, I got Golden State in five, to be honest with you. Um, The key to this series is going to be Clint Capella, especially when he gets switched off on Curry. Can he guard? Can he contain um, Harden? You know, they said he was a little bit under the weather in the last series in a couple of those games. You know, we kind of was questioning, is he going to show up? And, you know, this is the biggest stage for him again, and he's a little bit older. He's this year's MVP, but he has to prove it. He has to show it that he's ready to step up. And play this year, and play like the MVP, and play like the elite talent, the elite player that we know that he can be. Um, If they get contributions from Tucker, Bamute, all that's going to be key. Ariza, Eric Gordon. Um, But at the end of the day, if we were playing Spades, the, the Warriors have the ultimate Joker. They got the big Joker if we're using the Jokers and Kevin Durant. And I just don't see Kevin Durant playing poorly for more than two games. And that's just what it comes down to. You know, I always ask people, they, you know, especially here in Chicago during those Derrick Rose and Joe Kim Noah teams, Luau Dang teams, they used to get all excited every year because they could beat the Heat in the regular season. And I will always say, but the question is, can you beat Miami when it matters four straight times? And my answer was always no. And it was clearly obvious that you couldn't beat them four straight times. This is not the NCAA tournament, this is the NBA tournament um playoffs and you know best out of seven the question i kept asking myself over and over as well as houston's look this year the fact that they're 50 and 5 when capella harden and paul play you know the fact that they had the number one offense this year the fact that harden is the mvp the fact that cp3 is having a great playoffs i still don't feel like they could be golden state four times and even though steph's lateral movement the herky jerky isn't quite there he looks good enough to me. Um, their their death lineup, which they're happily nicknamed now, the Hampton Five, between him, Steph, Clay, Eagle, Dollar, Durant, and Draymond looks unbelievable. Um, Coach Nick over at B-Ball Breakdown had a great video, and I was talking about the versatility of Draymond when I was singing Al Horford praises, and Draymond is the key to everything, man. The fact that he took his game back to a high level during this playoffs, playing with a whole lot of energy, playing super inspired is everything right now. The way he's quarterbacking and backlining the defense, you know, in the video he was showing plays where he was able to show on the pick and roll to contain the ball handler and Drew Holiday, get back to Anthony Davis, contest the shot and block out, get the rebound and lead the break. His versatility and the fact that Chris Webber said that he don't think he could start on any team, I still have to look that up and see what context he was talking about. Because Chris Webber must have been getting high somewhere with Jason Williams because the fact that he said that, it's just crazy. And, again, I got to applaud players like Draymond and, and Horford making it more than just about stats. You know, I've played on teams and played with players that got a lot of stats. But then the day, we lost games. They didn't play winning basketball. And these guys are the epitome of winners. And that's why, to me, I always rank Bill Russell super high. You got to understand a man played 13 years and won 11 championships. I don't care what era you play in. That's super impressive. And when you go back and look at the stats, it wasn't like his teams were that much better. He won a lot of those finals sometimes in seven games. You no know, down to the wire. But the fact that he was able to make winning plays, smart plays, high IQ basketball plays was the reason why ultimately he was so successful and was able to get his team over the top. And it's the same thing when you watch the Warriors play. So again, um, it's going to be interesting to see how the game starts out tonight. I think if there was to get a game tonight, Houston should get game one, and maybe the Warriors bounce back and get game two, but uh, I wouldn't surprise me if the Warriors get game one and Houston comes back and gets game two um, because they, the thing that makes them dangerous, the fact that they shoot the three ball so well and that they could get hot and make a bunch of threes and just end up winning a couple games, and that's why ultimately I do have them Stretching into the seven, and the fact that they um, added CP3. So, hey, Daryl Morey, you guys built this team. You set this team up with the whole idea of beating the Warriors. So, here you go. You got what you asked for. Now they're going to have to show up and produce on the court tonight. So, um, that'll do it. I just kind of want to stop by real quick. Um, again, loving this portable app from Spreaker. Been really busy, so I haven't been able to really record too much from the home studio. So, using the app again, you know, record from an undisclosed location here in Chicago. But, excited to watch the Western Conference Finals! Thanks for tuning in again. Remember to go to Spreaker, uh, remember to log on at um, iTunes. You can find it on YouTube as well. You can follow me on Facebook at the off the glass uh, podcast.com page. Uh, search that on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram at the Off the Glass podcast. Um, follow your boy on Twitter at ZJ at at off the off the, gla- off the Glass. Excuse me, ZJ at Off the Glass. For those who have been rocking with your boy and supporting me, I definitely appreciate it. This is me, Z, signing off. Stay safe out there. Peace.